Okay, today we're reading from, I'm reading from Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 18. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your heart and in your mouth. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. Sorry, you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Okay, today we're talking about the good news of Jesus. We often talk about the good news of Jesus, don't we? Not enough, I think, but that's okay. But we're talking about the way that the good news of Jesus affects somebody's heart, changes them, comes into them. What is the good news? Quickly, just to say this, the good news is this. Jesus has come to save sinners. And you might say, who are sinners? Well, every one of us. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody's come up to his standard. And so therefore, we were all doomed. But into that doomedness came Jesus, the perfect son of God, who took our place in punishment. And he he was punished for our sins, and he gave us the free gift of righteousness. We are perfect before God, perfectly accepted by God because of what Jesus has done. And how do we accept all this? Do we have to, uh, you know, um, well, give lots of money? Just hand out your PIN number, everybody. No. Do you, what do you have to do? Do you have to climb a mountain? Do you have to be a very, very good person for Jesus to accept you? The answer is no. You trust in what he has done. You throw yourself on him, not on anything you've done. Okay. Now, but what we're talking about today is when we speak that message, what happens to people? Because we know that it is with their heart that they believe in a justified. So when a person believes in their heart, but can a person believe in their heart? And can a person profess their faith with their mouth and be saved? How is it that a person can do that? And the answer is through God's work. We've heard that a lot in recent times. But firstly, see this. It's got to be a belief in the heart. It's not talking about... Someone can come to church, say. Someone can even pray religious prayers, do good things, and not believe in their heart. So it's got to be a, a heart belief which causes it to work out in a confession of faith and a changed life. 
and they confess, or we confess, Jesus is Lord. Now, the scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. If you were here last Sunday night, we talked about shame, didn't we? And how we feel shame in this world, but you will never be put to shame because God is not ashamed of you through Jesus Christ. So if you've believed in him, Jesus Christ, you will never, did you hear the capital never? That's what the Bible says, by the way. That's not my never. You will never be put to shame. I was good after church last week. I said the word, uh, when I said you will n- he will never leave you or forsake you. And uh, one young fellow came up to me and said, that's a really loud never. It's a big never, isn't it? And it is. It's a big never. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. You will never be put to shame. Now, this is a quote, actually, that Paul's quoting from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 28, 16, where it says this. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, that's Jerusalem. I'm laying a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed or will never be put to shame. Now, the cornerstone, I know I've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. When they built a big stone building, right, they would first lay a cornerstone. And that that stone, just say it would be in the back corner there, maybe about this high, and it had to be perfectly square because they were going to set up all of their straight lines up, across, flat, in all three planes from that cornerstone. So if that cornerstone was on an angle, the whole building went up on an angle. If that cornerstone was square, the whole building was perfect. Do you understand? And it says that this cornerstone was going to be laid. We know that's Jesus, don't we? A tested stone. It's been tested with laser level, not that they had laser levels then. And it is straight. It is perfect. And from that cornerstone, the whole building rises up square and perfect. Whoever trusts in this Jesus won't be put to shame because they are perfected just like he is and they're part of a building which is going to be perfect, which is the church, never to be ashamed. That building's never going to fall down. It's ne- no one's going to drive past and go, gee, they got that a bit crooked, didn't they? That's what builders do. They always sit in corners some people like Keith and, and uh, they sit and they go, that wall's not quite straight with that and things like that. Shame on the builder. Yeah? Never going to happen with us. We will never be put to shame if our life is based on Jesus Christ. Get what I'm saying? Now, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on him. There's no difference. We've heard that word before in the Bible, in in, in Romans earlier on. He said, there's no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone's in the same boat. There's no difference. Now here he says, there's no difference. Every single person who trusts in the Lord will be justified and saved and never be put to shame. Every single one. There is no difference between, it doesn't matter what race you are from, it doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter what country you come from, all who put their trust in Jesus will be saved. For, then verse 13 he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
How then can they call on one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one who they've not heard? And how can they hear about someone without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What this means is, if you bring the good news to people, you've got pretty feet. I can see you looking. Right? That's why I wore my, my good Jesus sandals today. So that you'd uh, admire my feet. It means actually to those, and this is a church's job, it's not just one person, to those who bring the good news of Jesus, there is great honour. It is an honourable thing. And again, Paul's quoting from Isaiah 53, where Isaiah says, I don't know if you know, Isaiah 52 and 53 is where he talks about the suffering servant who is Jesus. Uh, you can stop looking at my feet now, Heather. It's okay. Um, who, who will take the place of his people and suffer, sorry, and, and die in their place. And what it's saying, uh, what, in every true church, the prophetic message of Jesus is preached. If the, pre- if the prophetic message of Jesus is not preached, it's not a true church. Okay, In every true church, a beautiful thing happens. The message of Christ crucified for his people is proclaimed and spoken and sung about and whispered about. And, uh, and someone leans to the one next to him and says, did you know that about Jesus? You know, that's always going on. It's a wonderful, beautiful happening. Jesus is proclaimed. Hear that? It's a, it is a, an incredible thing. Now, I'll say it again. It's not just through one person because the church event is not the hour on Sunday, although that's part of it. Where, some, where, where I might get up and speak or where the worship leader, Jody today, where she might speak, but it's also the conversation that happens afterwards and it's when you meet together during the week. Now, sometimes that's in small group, but sometimes that's just playing in families and sometimes that's just people talking to one another because where two or three are gathered in, have been gathered by me, have gathered in my name, says Jesus, there am I with them. Okay, so it is happening all the time. The good news of Jesus will be spoken through the church. Now, by Paul quoting that passage... He's saying this, God, as he prophesied, is now making it happen. God has authorised and commissioned the church to this incredible and wonderful event. What's a wonderful event? I'll say it again. Jesus is proclaimed. There is no more wonderful event. The good news about Jesus is spoken. In the midst of his people, this message of salvation This message was planned before the beginning of time and now we're hearing of God's mercy and his grace and his kindness and this will happen in his people again and again and again because he has sent people to do this and he is sending people. His Holy Spirit is burning in the hearts of men and women, including you all here today, who feel like when you don't speak, what do you feel like? Idiot. Because the message burns in your heart and you want to tell about Jesus, don't you? And the cool thing is you do. And it happens in workplaces and at kitchen tables where people sit around and have coffee and they speak. And in lounge rooms, the proclaimed message of the good news. And other people are really good at inviting others to come to hear that message. 
wherever it is. Do you understand? Some people feel really comfortable with inviting people to hear that good news. It's all through the church. When I say church, I mean you people. Not just here on Sunday, but wherever you gather. The message of Jesus is spoken. And what happens when the message of Jesus is spoken? A miracle. People believe. They have faith. And then they call on the name of the Lord and then they are saved. How about that? That's the way people will be saved. Through the preaching of the gospel. Now, it's not just how people are saved, by the way, the preaching of the gospel. I'll talk about this in a minute. Faith comes to people who are already saved through the preaching of the gospel. But how can a person who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, a person who is angry with God and shaking their fist at God, an angry who's a, 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 a person who's opposed to God and deserves judgment and deserves death and deserves punishment, how can that person be saved? Well, there is a way that God has set for those people to be saved. Do you know what it is? It's through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the speaking. It's through the telling. It's through the reading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the church in action. Now, it's funny this, because this might seem a bit different than what we've been talking about for the last month, because in the last month we've been talking about God is sovereign. He is in control. No one can can believe in him unless he, he moves their heart and he chooses people. So it's all about him borning people again, if that was a word, birthing, rebirthing people, making them new. It's all about him. So why then am I now telling you that you have to proclaim, that you have to preach, that you have to speak, that you have to tell? And the answer is this, because that's the way God works for people to come to faith and hear the message and believe. His plans and purposes are that people be saved and the people he's ordained that through they'll be saved is us, the church, through our words. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, preaching, that word there, don't... I know you're looking at me and going, well, he's preaching. I wish he'd stop, maybe, you think. But he's preaching, but preaching or proclaiming is speaking the truth of what Jesus has done in whatever form. Okay. I'll say it again. God has a plan to save people and he saves people through preaching. The church preaching. And these are beautiful people who have beautiful feet. No, they have a beautiful beautiful calling, a beautiful walk to walk. Does that make sense? God's sovereign and that's the way he does it. I'll say it another way. Imagine this. I'm going to get a bit mixed up in this, but that's it. God has a plan. To, he says, my plan is to build a house. We're using that image again. Right. So we can say to God, well, you can do anything. You're just going to make that house just appear? Is it just going to go boom and there's a house? And he says, no, I've got a plan to build a house and my people are going to build that house and I'm going to make it happen and my sovereign will and plan will, uh, will happen through men and women, through my people. So he says, but I'm going to start with a precious cornerstone. That's Jesus, right? Because my building is going to be built on that. And my people are going to tell other people about Jesus. And as they tell others about Jesus, hearers will believe 
and I'll give them the ability to believe and then they'll call on the name of Jesus and then they'll be saved and I'll do my saving work and each one of them is a brick and I'm going to put it on top of another brick and I'm building my house through the church. My sovereign power worked out through the church. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying? Paul spoke about this in Ephesians 3. He starts with himself being a servant of the gospel and he finishes with all the manifest glory of God of the gospel being known through the church and all the powers of darkness being hearing that message from the church. Here, here, I'll read it to you. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Can you hear that? The incredible word of God will be made known, revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ again, through the church. He powerfully uses each of us in different ways. Through all of our lives, we proclaim Jesus Christ. Now, we're all part of this church. Now, I said God has a sovereign plan. What this means is we can be sure it's going to work. It's going to work. Because think about it. Why don't you tell others about Jesus when you feel like you want to? Well, they're not going to listen. And if they do listen, they're not going to believe. I mean, obviously, we think they're going to think I'm an idiot, a religious nutter or something. But if we had this thought in the back of our mind, I'm going to tell them, and, and then actually, they'll believe. Yeah? Now, we understand it's God's sovereign choice. Not all will. But God's power will be at work, and I'll talk about that a bit in a minute. But you see, if we knew. God is at work through our words, we would have a boldness and a confidence to speak when normally we wouldn't. Is that true? Okay. He is going to bring new life. Okay. Now, will everyone accept this message? No, he goes on to say, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. Not all, not Israel, all of Israel were saved, were they? For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? In other words, not many. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ, the message of the gospel. So many Israelites didn't believe. Will everyone we speak about Jesus believe and be saved? No. Truth is, some will get angry. Some will dismiss us. Some will reject us. Reject the gospel, that is. Not all who will believe. Some people will reject it now and accept it later. We've seen that. People fight against the gospel and suddenly they believe the gospel. But God will be at work bringing about his purposes to save and not to save in the power of the Holy Spirit as we speak. So consequently, faith comes. Now imagine this. Here is a person. Here's Anne-Marie. 
she's sitting there, she does not have faith. That was true one day of Amory. And then she heard the message of the gospel and she believed. It wasn't that she's sort of sitting there and goes, yeah, that's right. That's kind of part of it. But what happened was from God, faith came to her and she believed. Is that fair? You can't disagree. I've got a microphone. Um, (laughs) Faith comes through hearing. The message is proclaimed and also to believers. As people who know the word of the gospel hear it again and again, their faith is increased because faith comes to them too. They grow in love for God because the more you hear about this incredible work of Jesus Christ, the more firm you become on a foundation, which is a cornerstone, which is Jesus. Now, I can tell you this, not all I've preached the gospel to love that message. In fact, some people don't. Not everybody we invite comes. Not the first time. I know we were told the story uh, by a friend, uh, well, uh, we don't know him that much, but he was speaking to us privately and he talked about a friend. He was a policeman who would travel in a police car with his partner and he was a Christian. And so he'd invite his friend to church. He said, Will you, do you want to come to church on Sunday? And his friend said, no. Nah. And the next day he'd drive in the car with him. He said, do you want to come to church tomorrow, uh, Sunday? No. One day he said to him, do you want to come to church on Sunday? And his friend said, okay, I'll come. He got a bit tired of it. And he became a Christian that day. And his friend said to him, do you know I worked out how many times we were on shift together and you had asked me 82 times to church before I said yes. And then he said yes and became a Christian. That's amazing, isn't it? Because the word of God actually does its work. Now, did he do anything? Actually, he never did anything more than invite him to church and then the church and was proclaiming the word of Christ, which is where he was saved. Because God has a place for people to be saved. Inviting's good. Talking to people is good. Being quiet doesn't do a lot. God does a great work in the power of the Holy Spirit. He performs a great miracle because people do believe and they grow in their faith. And that is God's sovereign plan. But not all are destined to believe. Predestined. Destined. Okay, so I'm reading from 1 Peter 2, verse 6. It says, for in, this is a bit repetitive of what we've already done, but you'll get it. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious and, and, and chosen cornerstone, and the one who puts his trust in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe... The stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone, a stone that causes them people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So in this cornerstone, instead of building their life on it, they hate it and they trip over it and they hurt their foot and their leg on it. Right? And you know how good it is to stub your toe on something big and heavy and sharp. Yep. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So understand, God is working. As we speak the message, negatively and positively. Now, just in case you think, well, then why bother? Because there's some who will and some who won't. Yeah, he finishes with this. But I ask you, did they not hear? 
did Israel really hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out to the ends of the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Do you know where this? Do you know who wrote this Bible? Israelites. Yeah. Who was the first apostles? The twelve apostles. Where were they from? Israel. Has not the gospel gone out through them? And didn't Israel believe? Wasn't there believers right throughout time? Do you understand? Is the work powerful? Yes. Will people be saved? Yes. How far? To the ends of the earth. I think for a lot of people, St. George is the end of the earth. But the Gospels come here and people believe. Right to every country, every tongue, every tribe, every nation. And we as the church should have confidence and an expectation that as we speak, God will powerfully work. We shouldn't have doubts and unsurety. God is sovereignly working. I want to give you one final example, and I, I like this. If you, if you know Americans and then you know Australians, sometimes they speak a different language, especially if you were going to ask for directions. So if we ask an Australian, I ask Jack, Jack, how do I get to the post office? He says, well, if you go out the front, hop in your car, and you head down uh, this street here, and then you take, if you take your first left... And then if you take a righty and then you go about a kilometre, you'll see it on the left. Okay, that's how an Australian said it. They give directions, pretty cool. Have you ever got directions from an American? They say it with a great amount of confidence, right? Because they believe they're bringing their word into action. It's going to happen. And they say it like this. Right, what you're going to do is you're going to go down the road there. You're going to turn left. Then you're going to turn right. Then you're going to drive for a mile, not a kilometre. And then you're going to see it on the left. It's going to happen. Can you see the difference? Right. Not if you do this and if you do that. They have this great confidence you're going to do just what they're told. Because they're Americans. Everybody does what they tell, tell us. Right. We have a great confidence when we preach the gospel, God will be working. You know what? You're going to invite people to church and you're going to invite them to Bible study and you're going to tell others about Jesus and they're going to believe the good news and the Holy Spirit is going to come to them and it's going to move their hearts and if they're appointed to eternal life, they're going to believe and they're going to have faith and they're going to be saved. They're at the ifs. You can be sure of that because the powerful, sovereign God, the creator, the king is at work through his church. That's how it's going to happen. Yep, good, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you that through this gospel, you have been pleased to save us. And Father, we thank you that you will save others through this gospel as we speak it. And I pray that you would make us bold and that you would bring us a great expectation that your word will powerfully penetrate people's hearts and people will trust in Christ, and people will have eternal life. I pray that you would give us such a surety and such a confidence that we will be a people who always have the name of Jesus right on our lips. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.